Hey there, where have you been? Welcome to the No Jet Stress podcast, the show that helps you maintain optimal health and peak performance as a road warrior, no matter how much you travel. I'm your host, Christopher Babioli, traveler wellness advocate, nutritional therapist, author, and ex-flight attendant of 20 years at one of the UK's largest airlines. In this episode, we're going to look at traveler wellness. What is it? What it isn't? The problems with traveler wellness? Sustainable solutions? And then we're going to look at some of the fundamentals around setting up a traveler wellness program that works. Takeaways from this program will be that you'll have tools to manage your traveler well-being or traveler wellness program, grow your understanding of being a road warrior or managing road warriors, and ultimately getting back on the road well-equipped to be better, perform better, and maintain your health. Remember, wherever you go, farewell. So, while it might seem absurd to ask the question, what is traveller wellness? It's the sum total of the physiological, mental, emotional, and situational health that travellers have, and for our express purposes, while on business travel, how they're able to manifest that to make sure that they arrive well, are able to perform well, and still get an element of that work-life balance in place. And it seems unreasonable that I might be asking us to define this before we have this conversation, but it's with good reason. And that's because if you ask some people, it's all about the fact that they don't sleep. If you ask others, it's about the jet lag. And if you ask another, it will be something totally different related to perhaps people they left behind or things they didn't get done before they left home that are weighing down on their ability to act in the moment while they're on business travel. These are all the things that make up traveller health. And it's important to have this understanding as we begin to fathom and tackle a way of making sure that health is the central piece when it comes to business travel. Traveller well-being, as defined by the Global Wellness Institute, on the other hand, basically talks about the idea of getting on a plane, arriving at a destination, and then taking part in some wellness type of activity, retreat, rest, or something of that nature. This is all well and good, but this doesn't actually help us. After all, you have to get back on a plane to get back from that retreat to your home or where you started your journey from, and the likelihood is it's going to be stressful. And this is the key feature in us fashioning a solution for traveller health, traveller well-being. We want to be able to alleviate that stress of the road and the journey. It's all well and good being able to get to a destination and rest and recuperate, but we have to live in the real world. And in that real world, we have to deal with the stresses of life, of being on the road and anything else that comes our way in the processes of being a human being. So with that said, well-being travel is not traveller wellness for our purposes. Ours is strictly defined by the ability to create some semblance of work-life balance, peak performance in whatever field we happen to be in, and the satisfaction that we're doing a good job while we travel. The problems with traveller wellness is that it's underrated as a resource, and that's by organisations as well as the individuals. It's still sleeping in the shadows of the corporate wellness programme. You know, the one that no one uses, that just is used as part of an induction and is never seen the light of day again after you pass through the doors. Problem being, you as a traveller, you're on the road most of the time. You're being on the road. You don't have access to any of the fancy gadgets, gyms, swimming pools, facilities that are available to those who are at head office. And yet that's all there is. Or your company goes the extra step. It gets you a nice fancy membership at a gym somewhere around the normal places that you would tend to travel to, but you don't actually have the time or the inclination to want to go and use that. 
and so on and so forth. There are other tools and perks like that, that basically don't get used and are sitting there wasting resources when there's a conversation to be had about what really moves the needle for the company and for yourselves. But first things first, your traveler wellness program is probably sleeping in the shadows of your corporate wellness program to the detriment of your travelers. And by that, I mean that the contents of the corporate wellness program are not necessarily directed specifically to your travelers. It's for every Tom, Dick and Harry who works for the company. And therefore, it's never going to be able to address the needs of those people that travel specifically. And this is something that has to change. Frequent business travelers, on the other hand, are either complicit or complacent when it comes to making traveler wellness work. There's an element of if the tools or the specifics are not provided to me, by my organization, then it's out of my hands. And this can't go on any longer. It has to change. We actually have to change the model on two different levels. The first is that corporate wellness programs need to change. In effect, they need to have a subcategory of programs specifically for their travelers. And secondly, we have to recognize all parties, all stakeholders need to come to the table and recognize that this is a partnership where tools are provided by the company or organization, and the traveler does his or her bit. The heavy lifting can't be left to one or the other party. It has to be a partnership of both of them working in tandem for both the organization's and the individual's needs. Until this becomes the bedrock and the foundation of creating wellness programs, the problem will still persist. Highlighting that problem in the moment is the SAP Concur Global Business Traveler Survey of 2022. The survey consisted of 3,850 global business travelers across 25 markets and involved 700 global travel managers. One of the findings was that unhappiness and anxiety persisted in business travelers and if not remedied, could lead to a quarter considering looking for another job. This doesn't bode well in an industry with high attrition rates, issues with talent retention, and in tough labour markets as we're experiencing right now. The report goes on to say that the ability to retain key talent is at risk due to health, flexibility in working and safety issues. This is really an opportunity to turn this around by looking at the way we execute travel wellness programmes and serve both individuals and the company better. There are so many variables when it comes to global business travel. So what kind of solutions are sustainable? What kind of solutions should we be looking at? Well, it's got to be sustainable. It's got to be healthy. It's got to be systematized. And it's got to be driven by the traveler. It's because there are so many variables in the world of business travel that we have to make sure we fashion a system that accounts for all those variables and really puts the power of being able to execute on the system in the hands of the traveler him or herself. This is why corporate wellness programs per se do not actually help in this instance, because you don't know what set of variables you're going to face when you're on the road and how you're going to have to change your approach in order to make sure that you get the job done and stay healthy in the course of doing that. The biggest piece of the challenge when it comes to staying healthy as a frequent business traveler is undoubtedly the plane journey in and of itself. Yes, we know it's stressful getting in and out of airports at certain times and there are other factors that might make things a bit more difficult but if you focus on the flight for the meantime be that a short hop or a longer journey we'll be able to flesh out a system 
and then apply some of those principles to other areas of looking at sustainable solutions for business travellers. So before we actually get to the specifics of the flight and travelling, I have a question for you. Are you fit to fly? It's a pertinent question and not everybody can answer it in the same way. Are you? This is one of those questions that is asked of crew members in the aviation industry all the time. In fact, they actually have to sign a declaration saying they are fit to fly in order to be able to operate on flights. Less so of the passengers who get on board the aircraft and take off with the crew. But it's an important question nonetheless, because fitness to fly or having an understanding of basic health is an important factor to take into consideration when you go into an alien environment. And I use that word purposefully, because when you take off on a plane, you ascend to 36,000 feet or something like that, and you are in effect in an alien environment. There's less oxygen, the barometric pressure has changed, and yet people continue and persist to act as if they were on the ground. That in and of itself is food for thought. But if you're not fit to fly and you are flying, what can you do about that? What are the things that you need to do that need to become part of your regular routines that enable you to perform at your best and be well while managing your health and your purpose of travel? When it comes to the flight, the three principles to bear in mind, which are our fundamentals, are environment, entrainment and acclimatization. As I mentioned, while you're on that plane, you are in an alien environment. It is not the same as at sea level. You are no longer in touch with the cues that enable you to entrain your body's rhythms as you normally would if you were on the ground and you are not acclimatized. You fly above the weather, so you see as much sun as your flight plan will allow or darkness as your flight plan will allow and therefore you are disconnected from environment, entrainment and acclimatization. And this is telling on our health and our ability to function well as a business traveller. So looking at these fundamentals in a bit more detail, we begin to see that while I was referring to environment in the context of the aircraft, it also refers to the internal environment or the biochemistry of our body. As you know, when you fly, that is distorted somewhat because we were not made to function particularly well at altitude. So our hydration levels change, um, the acidity and alkalinity of the body change, and so on and so forth. Other factors change within the body that make it harder for us to function properly, and we have to make adjustments for that when we get back on the ground. Learning how to manage the environment of our body while we're on the ground, as well as while we're on the plane, will be beneficial to help us maintain health and recuperate even faster, because there's not a lot you can do while you're in flight other than drink water and um, other things that will come to uh, down the road. But for, for now, it's really important to understand that that environment is fundamentally changed by flight and therefore it needs attention and care. And the more we can get the kind of education into the hands of travellers, the better we are and the better we are equipped to help corporate wellness programmes, if they so choose, inform their travelling uh, people of uh, this material and how it's vitally important for them in their roles. 
The second principle is entrainment, our ability to entrain our internal time so it matches the external time we find ourselves in. This is a skill and it's something that we can learn and something that modern lifestyles have pretty much taken out of us. The invention of the light bulb, for instance, has turned dark night into day and therefore helps us disrupt um, this natural part of our circadian rhythm um, rather regularly for the lifestyles that we live. So as a traveller we have to be cognizant of that and recognise that we have it within our ability to make it work for us depending on the outcomes that we want to achieve. The third principle is acclimatisation and this is about our ability to blend in our ability to blend into different climates and still maintain our constancy. It's something that we've done over the lifetime of our ancestors and something that we continue to do. And it's an important factor because once you're acclimatised, then you have a better ability to go about your business and be more successful. When looking at the challenges of traveller health and flying, I can't help but lean on the science of chronobiology, which is the study of rhythms in biological systems. Human beings are also part of nature and as such we cannot get away from the fact that these rhythms govern our lives too. As frequent flyers we constantly detach and reattach ourselves into these rhythms depending on where we are in and around the world and it's very useful to keep this in mind to understand that the approach we're looking at here has a scientific basis. There is an art and a science to it, and chronobiology is the underpinnings of the science part of the kind of systematic approach we take to traveller health. So, with that being the case then, what we have to ask is, how do we incorporate this understanding into our lifestyle? Because after all, if you're a frequent business traveller, the business travel side of your life is your lifestyle rather than it being something that is interrupting you. And this is where we come to the artistry of making these fundamentals work in a system that is consistent with our lifestyle, our aspirations and looking after our health. On an individual level, it takes a mindset shift. In an organisation, it takes the willingness to want to create a culture of well-being, which in turn has to exist within a supportive workplace culture. Going back to the SAP Concur travel survey for a minute, 26% of business travellers were willing to nix a business trip if they were feeling burnt out, which is a good thing. 51% were willing to decline a trip if there were COVID health-related concerns. So the question is, does your company allow you such flexibility? Are they really walking the walk and talking the talk at the same time? This is what I mean by creating a company culture within which a well-being culture can, to, can truly thrive because oftentimes it tends to be that travel is seen as a perk by all of those people who are not traveling and therefore they feel sometimes that those who travel get uh, preferential treatment should we say rather than having an understanding that it's not all what it's cracked up to be and at the same time they might need a bit more latitude when it comes to being able to recuperate so they can be back on the job. And after all, these people are out there on the road looking after the interests of the entire company in most instances. One of the lenses through which to view traveller wellness is that of a performance athlete. Performance athletes train, execute and recover. And they take the recovery part of their training very seriously and hence they become better athletes and perform better. In our instance, we want to look at frequent business travellers as performance athlete travellers, 
who also seriously consider training, execution and recovery to make sure that they are in the best shape they can be to execute on the business outcomes they're out to achieve, as well as be healthy and ready for the rigours of the road. Current research tells us that it's actually the recovery aspect of what these athletes do that makes them the best in their fields. And therefore, it's something that we can borrow as frequent business travellers to make sure that we have the competitive advantage in our fields of competition or execution of the business goals we're out to achieve. So the conversation has to come around to recovery and the idea that all business travellers need to be able to recover adequately before they get back on the road again. And sometimes those turnarounds are quite short that it becomes even more important to make sure that this part of a programme is covered adequately. And that means the culture supports it with an understanding and the individual really understands what they must do in order to have themselves come out ahead. The science of recovery is unequivocal. And while we might have idiosyncrasies for the different types of lifestyles we live, it's important to understand the limits to which we can live that lifestyle and how we need to recover so that we can come back energised. And I say this specifically because one of the many things I've noticed about the idea of travel wellness is that as much as the road takes a lot out of business travellers, when it comes to types of solutions that exist in the marketplace, they don't really necessarily tend to have building vitality back into the person at their core. And this is something that we want to change. So that would mean cancelling out the reliance on caffeine and uppers and downers, because essentially they're draining one of vitality rather than giving it back. That's not to say that we need to outlaw the use of all those types of uh, drinks, stimulants, etc. But we need to have an understanding of their place in a recovery programme. And we must have a recovery programme in place that caters to the individual needs. A top-level view of a recovery programme would include information and tools around nutrition, sleep and managing energy. And these have to be individualised for the individual, of course, but also there's an opportunity here for people to get educated about what works for them, considering the lifestyle that they have. In terms of the corporations, they can actually provide some of this information, should they choose, to actually take the time to provide traveller wellness programmes instead of the broad brush corporate wellness programmes that tend to be found in organisations. As we emerge from what's left of the pandemic and the importance of health is underlined and we start to travel again, it's really important that organisations and travellers have tools fit for purpose in order to get about and do business in the new world of business travel that has since emerged. Putting the focus on traveller wellness in all its forms for the organisation and the individual is a good move. And it makes sense because it's a win for both parties. It starts with overhauling the old corporate wellness programme structure that didn't particularly serve any constituency within the organisation particularly well, much less traveller well travellers who were on the road. And it's supported by the idea that it is a partnership, that travellers and their organisations can come together to get solutions that work, with no one party doing all the heavy lifting. It's also incumbent upon the travellers themselves to make sure that they look after their health while on the road, as much as it's important for corporations to look after their travellers above and beyond what any duty of care 
might necessitate. So that's a quick look at a systems approach to managing the challenges of cover wellness in the brave new world we have since the pandemic has been over. Join me in the next episode where we go into more detail on strategies, tools and other things that are useful to help build a wellness program that is fit for purpose, keeps people performing well, feeling well and travelling and enjoying the journey. Till then, wherever you go, farewell. <laughs>